Motherhood is the experience of a million different things all at once. What if we could boil down motherhood? Welcome to the Motherhood Movement with Anna, Dawn, and Taylor. We want to see a movement of mothers embodying the women we are right now. Giving space for the women we're becoming. And redefining motherhood as we go. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about um, things that we discovered in postpartum that became larger truths in motherhood. And sometimes we didn't actually discover these things in postpartum. In hindsight, we realized these would have been excellent things to discover in postpartum, um, but the value of them and how they overflow into motherhood. Right. Hindsight is so clear, especially in motherhood. Yes. (laughs) Taylor, do you want to start by sharing your top things that you discovered? Yeah. One of the biggest things, um, it took me to my third baby and I'm still learning this now. Um, maternal endurance often looks like rest, which just feels... Wait a minute. You need to say that again. (laughs) Maternal endurance often looks like rest. That's really good. And it feels so backwards to the way that our society and Western culture is run, which is um, go and then go some more and still go just a little bit more. And I think a lot of us bring that into motherhood, which is I just got to keep going. I just got to push through. I just got to get to the end. Um, And, you know, we often picture a strong mother as a woman who wakes up and moves consistently and even gracefully throughout her day with very little stops and ends her day a little tired but mostly happy with a cup of tea and a good book but I think as most of us have discovered now this is rarely what motherhood looks or feels like and you know it's motherhood is not a battle to make it from sunup till sundown and survive the hours in between but it, it really to me, it's really a fight towards something much larger, which is a whole and healthy mother, and then from that, a whole and healthy child. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, um, you know, the our bodies, our human bodies are created so that when we sleep, that is a time when our bodies um, heal from wounds, from aches and pains from the day, and um, it's also the time that our brain processes all the information and experiences that we took in from that day. Often that's what our dreams are, and already mothers are up against um, the wall on this because a lot of us are struggling to get enough sleep in the night, so already our bodies are not getting the um, time they need to heal from the aches and pains. I think we all (laughs) can relate to that. And then just the ability, the, the time to process the experiences, um, the things that we're learning, the the pain that we've, and the hard parts of the day, we aren't given the full amount of time that our our bodies and our brains need. But beyond just sleep, our body can do that when we're just resting throughout the day. We can find um, a way to either find pockets of rest or have a day that is just more restful where our bodies can have the ability to, you know, take up space to heal and we can process some of that information and experiences. And it doesn't have to be conscious processing either. Just giving your 
body and your brain time to rest can do that. But of course, now what does rest look like in motherhood? That sounds like an exactly. oxymoron. Right. Yeah, so I'm wondering, you know, like if people are thinking, well, like I have a bunch of little kids, rest, is that a nap? Like, certainly I can't take a nap with my three kids up and running around. Like, what do you think rest can look like? Like, because I think part of when we start to prioritize rest, we have to redefine what it is, particularly as moms. And that's part of like, sort of the ideals that we're up against is like rest is like a certain thing like, oh, my dream world, I would be doing a nap every afternoon, but clearly we can't do that. So how do we access rest in the midst of everything? Well, uh, with my third um, birth, I um, discovered and chose to do sort of a staying in period. And that time was really beneficial to me in my postpartum to, um, so what I, what I did as a staying in is I, for the first week, I didn't leave my bed. For the second week, I didn't leave the couch. And for the third week, I didn't leave my house. So it was just very gentle. But the biggest thing that I felt like I pulled away from that was um, being really in tune with my body. And when my body was telling me I was doing too much. We have been taught so much um, things like good work ethic, I think, has turned into pushing past. Yeah. Um, listening to your body when you are overdoing it. And so since then, you know, the farther I've gotten from that postpartum period, now my baby's 16 months old, the harder it is for me to tap in. Like I have to be much more intentional, but, um, just listening. Okay. I'm starting to feel really overstimulated. I could push through because overstimulation, that's a weakness. You know, that's, that's not true, but I could view it as a weakness, and so I should just push through. Or I could think, oh, all this noise is really overstimulating me. I'm going to have the children. You know, we're all going to go to our own beds <laughs> and to the best of our abilities and take five minutes or ten minutes where I just de-stimulate. So I'm sitting here, my mind is kind of blown at this truth that you're talking about. I feel like it's really huge for us. So, you know, us as moms are not getting the sleep that, you would expect from a normal human being that is not a mom, right? Um, and if that sleep time is when you process emotions and um, physical injury, um, I wonder how how much of how much this is a component of just that normal struggle that moms have of like, I'm feeling overstimulated. I'm going to. Like, I know I've yelled at my kids. Oh, my goodness, why am I doing this again? This is not my intention. I wonder if, instead of always going to, like, a deep, like, what's wrong with me as a mom? Like, maybe we just haven't processed our emotion for the last week because our yeah. baby's in a sleep regression, you know? Yeah, that's good. And and maybe I haven't processed what my toddler suddenly started doing that's really kind of a big deal in our home because I've not had the sleep and rest I need. Yeah. So I feel like this is like really groundbreaking thought that instead of blame or worry about the mother we are, what if an, our, our uh, knee-jerk reaction was to go to, okay, I need to rest. I was wondering if you could share three, three ways you rest while your kids are awake. One is quiet room time for the kids and for myself 
and it doesn't have to be very long. Outside time, where the kids can free range and I can sit for a few minutes. Um, and my personal favorite is a warm, cozy drink. Outside time is a huge win for me as well. When I start feeling sort of the tensions rising in my home or like within me, I usually load the kids up and drive somewhere um, that's just completely nature. It's like kind of a two punch for me because I, I get restful in nature, but also my kids just find their rhythm and can go explore on their own and I don't have to, yeah. you know, manage them. I think that language actually is really helpful for me, like the idea of your kids finding their rhythm, because often it's like they just get so, like, cataclysmic, like they're just bouncing off of each other when they're inside or they're like in a certain mode of being, so I like that. How do we help our kids kind of get back in their rhythm as well? Yeah, and I I do um, try and help my kids recognize when they're overstimulated, and now my six-year-old is old enough to realize that when I say, hey, I'm feeling overstimulated, he understands what that means because yeah. I've helped point out in him when he's feeling overstimulated yeah. and helped him find ways to um, find some balance. And Another way that um, I find my center and find some rest is actually cleaning my house. So, what? Yes. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, did you say and other people's houses? <laughs> Um, I mean, I think it's been proven that mental health is kind of related to your surroundings. Oh, yes. And so I think two things that I've been trying to do is, one, not going to bed before my house is Mm -hmm. completely, like, at least tidied. Right. Because that's the biggie for me. Um, And it's a obvious difference on a morning that I wake up, and it's not versus when it is. Right. Um, So that's more of, like, a think-ahead rest you know, helpful in my rest journey. Um, or I actually sometimes will put on a show if I'm feeling, you know, like things are too cluttered and then I will just clean Yeah, and I'll walk away a better mom yeah. and a more rested mom and yeah. emotions and thoughts are more sorted. Yeah. yeah. So how do we, how do we rest in postpartum? Yeah. Well, I think, creating a space for rest, like similar to these like solutions that we're talking about in motherhood, the solutions around postpartum for creating space are things like having boundaries. Um, so that, that's something that was really pivotal for me with, I've got three kids. So with the second and the third in particular, after they were born, um, communicating clear boundaries to potential visitors beforehand, I mean, months beforehand saying, um, you know, I did a sit in similar to, um, what Taylor did and, um, communicating that beforehand with, Hey, I'm expecting to have this time. We did a 40 day period after the second and third were born where we were having minimal, if any visitors, um, where we just didn't want much communication even like with the outside world. And those boundaries gave space for rest and our clear communication of them removed some of the um, expectation dance that happens when a baby is born where people are kind of like, do you want my help? Do you not? Do you want this? Do you not? So just at the outset before they're born saying, here's what we're thinking. 
there was so much freedom for me knowing that I could just focus on my family, just focus on me, my husband, Neil, and our kids, and not need to really do anything beyond that. Um, Neil was really intentional about making sure that that was happening as well, and we were both on the same page about it. So learning boundaries, really the hard way after my first was born, um, I really crashed and burned three to four months after she was born, and a lot of that was because I hadn't had adequate rest. I hadn't had adequate space in the time immediately after she was born. And you don't know what you don't know, especially with your first. So after I learned that, I was like, there's no freaking way I am repeating that because the price that I paid, the price that my family paid, um, I mean, it took me so much longer to sort of recover from all of the intensity around birth and family overhaul that happens when you have a kid. And I know that that transition would have been smoother if I just had adequate rest and that that had been supported by boundaries. So what do you, how do those boundaries overflow into motherhood? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, for us, I think, you know, I think everybody, you have certain expectations that are coming from your culture, they're coming from your family, they're coming from whatever the environment is you grew up in. And that's around how you relate with your kids and how you relate with people and your kids, so to speak. So whether that's how many um, extended family gatherings you go to in a year, um, whether that's how you fill your week, just in terms of commitments, time commitments, um, really being able to read where we are as a family and knowing there are days when being with a bunch of our friends is absolutely life-giving and the most wonderful thing for everyone. And there are days when we've had a slew of rough goes and we just need to simmer down and be with ourselves. And, um, so navigating boundaries around that. Um, and I think a lot of it's also, there's a whole lot more to unpack in this, but like just psychological boundaries with how we think of certain things. Like for me being like, okay, I feel triggered by a certain thought or expectation. And sometimes being like, I'm just not going to go there mentally. My own boundary is like, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of these thoughts. Um, and so learning to have boundaries sort of with myself internally um, and guarding, you know, we say like guarding our peace it is that, but it's guarding our clarity. It's guarding our intentionality as a family. It's guarding, it's guarding our family ethos. You know, it's like if our family has like this core ethos, this like these things that we believe that we want to live by on a daily basis, how do we support that? And boundaries are vital to support that. That's so good. That is so good, Don. So coming at boundaries from like the other side, um, one thing that's really helped me as I've approached postpartum is thinking of it as similar to a honeymoon. Yeah. So I think sometimes we can hear boundaries and it can mean like, oh, we're trying to keep something out. Yeah. But I feel like that a honeymoon is like the perfect example of the opposite. Like you're trying to like, you're trying to drink up every last bit of this beautiful 
experience and there's something sacred happening and there's something like reforming and you're yeah getting to know yourself and someone else at new new levels um it's so similar to a baby and a mom and I think if you allow yourself to think of it as your honeymoon with your baby yeah you're gonna feel despite your background with boundaries you're gonna feel really empowered to just to grab it and take it and hold it and enjoy every bit of it yeah that's so good I think when you're saying that I was thinking how much I think we need to like remind ourselves that boundaries are about what's within our boundary line and nourishing it versus focusing on the what's without that maybe we're not engaging with at the time, but like, what are we trying to grow? What are we trying to enjoy? Um, And I know that for you, like you have a lot of wisdom around like the sacredness of the postpartum experience. So maybe you could share some of that. Okay. So when I think about clarity that's come from postpartum, that still like applies to a greater truth of motherhood. One of my biggies is um, that there's a sacredness or magic that opens up to you if if you want to embrace it or dig into it. I, I was watching Mulan last night with my husband, and they talk about, um, I think they call it a chi, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's this, like, other element to her ability to be an amazing warrior, and it's this thing she taps into that takes her to a new level. Um, I feel like there's like chi in mm-hmm. um, postpartum. Yeah. So I think there's that magic that we all know about that happens in a honeymoon that just, it almost feels like there's like a thinness between the, the practical and the spiritual. There's a thinness between like uh, the bond. And, and I feel like there's a similar thing going on, you know, during postpartum and um, it can be missed easily. And, and that's okay. That's not bad. I think it's a choice, right? If you want to engage it or not, but the things that probably do add to like missing it is hurriedness, um, and a a lack of slowness. I think slowness brings out, you know, the magic and sacredness. Mm -hmm. It's good. Um, the ways that I, here's a few practical ways that I've learned to embrace it in postpartum. So, you know, really taking time to do the gaze with your baby. So that, that gaze back and forth where like you, you're showing on your face, what's in your heart towards your baby and, um, your baby's responding to that. Oh man, I could just melt thinking about it. It's time to have another baby. (laughs) (laughs) Says the mom who's four months postpartum. <laughs> um, I think another way that I connect with it is like really caring for my body. So obviously, like I'm not getting a ton of showers during postpartum, but when I do, I really like think of it as this like magical thing. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm caring for my body. I'm I'm you know pampering myself. I'm using those that special facial oil. I'm you know. I'm brushing my hair intentionally. I'm getting on clean pajamas, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then I'm leaving moments, like I'm putting my phone aside as much as I can, and I'm leaving moments to reflect on what's happening within me 
you know, and, and truths that I'm realizing. I think that's part of that magic and sacredness. Like, what's rising up in me that's that's um, powerful? Like, what new thoughts am I wanting to embrace? Um, what do I need to let go of? Uh, it, I feel like there's this, like, just this space where you could really dive deep into, like, moving through healing issues that you've been stuck in. And you, you could... Um, take the the apparent weakness of postpartum physically emotionally and you could actually like up level you know that's so good Anna um so how do how do you think those things like roll over into motherhood mm-hmm. especially you know we we're, many of us are out of that postpartum glory yes. yeah um I do think slowness like continued a rhythm of slowness is important like if you do it once a day or if you do it a couple of times a week, like choosing slowness in your schedule with your child um, can allow, you know, the processing that needs to happen to arise. It can allow the bonding connection that needs to happen. So ske- even scheduling that in, if that doesn't come naturally to you. Um, I mean, I think that question kind of bleeds into like another thing I would share, like another truth. And that is, um, that in motherhood, I think it's one of the things, one of the few things in life that pushing through is not the answer. Um, and when you choose to not push through, you can enter into the magic and the sacredness. Yeah, that's good. Could you repeat that? Because I think that's something that people will want to remember. Yeah. So I think motherhood is one of those unique things in life where pushing through is actually not the solution mm-hmm. or the answer. Um, and that, and if you do choose to not push through, then that's where you enter into sacredness and magic. It's amazing. We talk a lot between the three of us about um, not pushing through, but leaning in, you know, that's a lesson you kind of learn the hard way in birth and then over and over and over again in motherhood. What do we mean when we say we're not pushing through? Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, I was thinking about, um, well, and the birth correlation is very apropos. Um, you know, my, my instant visual goes to, so all three of my kids were home births and my last kid who's four months old, um, was born in our backyard. Um, we live on a few acres. It was two o'clock in the morning, starry sky, beautiful. However, I did feel like I was both on a freight train that was not stopping and also the freight train itself. So (laughs) talking, talking about how do you be present when you are both freight train and contents of freight train is really hard. Um, I think the analogy and the imagery of the actual birth process being like the rest of motherhood is so powerful. I feel like I am still giving birth on a regular basis, whether it's 
my four-year-old who is individuating to a new degree and trying to figure out how to do infinite things on her own. And I feel that tension within myself of, I, I still feel like I'm both the train and inside the train. So it's like, I am guiding her in this process, but I also feel like I'm a passenger in her own process. So I'm like, okay, her name is Serenity. So, okay, Serenity, I am going to help you get down this thing from a high shelf. And I am doing that. But at the same time, internally, I'm like, eh, like tension of you're climbing up higher than you've climbed before. And this is just opening up a whole new reality to what our lives look like. And it sounds like a small thing, but I think moms get it where you're like, my four-year-old is getting the glass from a high shelf. And in my mind now, my four-year-old is going to be a 10-year-old. My four-year-old is going to be an 18-year-old. And then my four-year-old's married. And like, it's all in the shelf moment. And that's the giving birth thing. So, um, what is it to be present in those things? I think it's to acknowledge what is my discomfort and to be okay with it. Um, not in a dismissive way, but to be like, I feel angst right now because serenity is doing things that one might make me physically uncomfortable because they might have an element of you know, she could potentially get hurt to them, but also it's just awakening me to all that lies in front of us of helping her navigate the decisions of life. And so being like, okay, this is uncomfortable right now. I feel angst. The angst is not just about her getting her glass from the shelf. The angst is about the responsibility that I feel as a mom looking out for her and looking out for her life and saying to myself, that discomfort is healthy because we're at a tension point. We're at a transitional point. And my responsibility is to let her reach beyond the capacity she's had prior and to do new things. And at the same time to look out for her safety and her growth as she does them. And that is good. But if I'm like all like balled up inside and the majority of what I'm feeling is anxiety and control and like, I don't want you to do that. I just want to do it myself. Then I'm probably not going the right direction. So the sitting with it is acknowledging the discomfort and being like, that's fine. Like, it's fine. It's fine that I'm uncomfortable, but why am I uncomfortable and moving toward the healthy transition, which is the birth part. You know, if, if you remember when you're in birth and you're in transition, at least for me, horribly overwhelming, almost an out of body experience. But you know that when you get through that, that you're actually producing a result in this case, a baby. Um, and so being present in it, knowing that a result is coming instead of being like, and trying to just constrain your whole body and your psyche, um, when your child is trying to get a glass. So I hope that makes sense. I think, um, honoring our emotions as they exist and not trying to say they're good or bad is imperative to being able to lean in to a process um, being able to acknowledge what is hard and not say, oh, whatever, it's hard, just move on. But be like, no, this is really hard, Dawn. Like, it's hard for these reasons. That actually comes from health. Let's move toward more health by processing it. Um, yeah, that's good. Another truth that I discovered in postpartum I actually discovered it after postpartum, but what <laughs> took me a lot of years to get here. But looking back, 
one of the truths of postpartum is the necessity as a mom to lean into the truth that there is always a solution. So postpartum is full of things that feel like, especially in the minute, the intensity of the minute, I don't know how to solve this and this doesn't have a solution and that can lead a mom to a lot of areas in her mind, right? Hopelessness, um, she can go into pushing through mode, she can go into uh, flight mode, <laughs> run away. You know, some examples of that are the baby that is having a hard time nursing, um, the mastitis that won't go away, uh, the the infection that you develop, you know, and your lack of health that's happening, um, the the reality that you don't know how to get this baby to sleep or the baby that doesn't seem to sleep. So I think both in postpartum and in motherhood, it is so imperative to, to grab onto that hopeful truth that there's always a solution that will eventually emerge. So, you know, I don't even need to list for you the reasons in motherhood why that's true. But I mean, you know, there's the potty training stage, there's the sleeping, you know, all the sleep regressions, there's the hard diagnoses that you get about your kids. There's the, you know, the illness that you don't know how to support your kid in. Um, there's the times where you feel um, like you don't know how to approach this conversation with your kid. Um, I think just being able to lean into like, there, there will always be a solution that comes to me because I have been fitted for this role. And this child, there is no better mother for this child than me. Um, and therefore I must have the solutions within myself or the ability to find them um, is a game changer in motherhood. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Anna, when you shared that a few weeks ago, it's a truth that I have been returning to on a regular basis um, since then on that there is a solution for what's in front of me. And it's it, it feels like one of those mantras that you just have to repeat over yourself. There is a solution for this problem. Otherwise, I mean, it feels like the more kids you have, the more problems stack up and it can get really hopeless. And I love the idea of doing that as a mantra, you know, like um, even intentionally a couple times a day saying that or teaching yourself to go there when your mind's going somewhere else. I mean, I love that idea. I think that's a powerful, like, little nugget that we could take away yeah. and practice. And I think that's true for, um, you know, the difference of when you have a newborn and it's your first and you have a newborn and it's your second or third. The, the feelings of, oh, my goodness, what's happening? How will there be? Mm -hmm. How will this rectify? How will this have yeah. a solution? And when you've done it once then coming into it again you realize there is a solution that truth is sort of like it's realized it's realized and so taking that into motherhood you know we're we're doing this and I feel like a lot of veteran moms try and remind us it's good they say things like it's going to be okay and what they're saying is there is a solution mm -hmm. and and realizing that when we have a veteran mom saying it's going to be okay mm -hmm. it's going to be worth it I think what they're telling us is that thing there is a solution for the problems that you're feeling and experiencing right now. So these are just a few of our um, 
points in um, postpartum that we realized often later on really um, overflowed into truths about motherhood. And, you know, we just invite you, imagine you're pulling up a chair with us and think back, what are some things that you can look back on in postpartum that are things that can roll over and have roll over into motherhood for you? And they might be, um, not be positive things from postpartum for you. They might be points of pain that you experienced in postpartum that you can now take that message and rewrite as overflowing now into motherhood. Maybe you didn't have clear boundaries um, in your postpartum and you can, in hindsight, see that, that that didn't feel good for you. And now in motherhood, how can you rewrite that? How can you protect that space? So we just invite you to join the movement of mothers who are reflective on the lessons they've learned and living them out.